0: Welcome to Construction Cash Flow. In this podcast, we explore the stories, the strategies, and the steps to overcome cash flow challenges that often lead to insolvencies and the personal effect this has on business owners, their families, and the wider community. Each week, I interview a new guest to discuss their unique story of how they got to where they are now, the challenges they faced, what motivates and inspires them, and the issues affecting cash flow. Join us as we uncover best practices and bring about positive change. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to never miss an episode.
1: The conversation about you in the construction industry is about when are you next available rather than how cheap can you do this. You are suddenly in a much stronger position with a much better cash flow. Understanding who your customers are or could be. Understanding what they want and what their stresses and anxieties would be and then matching up your skills and capacity and availability with what they need. Now, your order book might be full as far ahead as you can plan. The marketing gives you many other advantages. It's not just filling my diary for the week after next. It's filling my diary for the long term. It's reminding your current customers and your past customers that you're still there reminding them of the quality of your service and it also allows you to usually charge a bit more You know, if you have this reputation for being always busy but you keep communicating you talk about the quality and you demonstrate the quality of your work when it comes to those hard based negotiations about your daily rate or the price of the job if you have perception you create the image that you're in demand, you know what you're doing, you're not desperate, you can be much firmer in your negotiations and that will help with so many different aspects of your
0: cash flow. In this episode, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Joe Lynch. Joe is a seasoned professional from the leisure and travel industry. Joe's expertise in business development e-commerce and data analytics translates actually directly into optimizing cash flow and profitability in the construction industry. As the owner of Joe Lynch Consulting he has a track record of helping organizations unlock their full potential and achieve sustainable growth. Joe's expertise also includes CRM systems, evaluating and enhancing product and service ranges, and leveraging digital marketing techniques relevant to driving cash flow and construction. These strategies are invaluable for industry professionals, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs. Join us as I explore with Joe his insights for financial success from proven strategies from the leisure travel industry and how these can be adapted to revolutionise your construction business. Get ready to evaluate your construction cash flow game with Joe Lynch. Hi Joe, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm very well, thank
0: you, Steve. Thank you for the chance to participate. You're most welcome. So Joe, tell us a bit about your story on how you got to do where you are now. Wow, that's a, a big question to open
1: with. Thank you. Um, well, I, I'll start by coming please, you. Um, I've been a big fan of your work and of your podcast, and I do feel slightly like a fraud in that I don't work in the construction industry. Uh, But I do have some clients that do. So hopefully I can add some value. Uh, And I've avoided your question for long enough now. So let me try and answer that now. How did I get to where I am now? Well, I started my career um, without a plan. And I think it's probably fair to say that that plan is still formative some 30 years later. I left college and I was really lucky and really excited that I had the chance to go and teach water sports overseas. So I spent a really happy six years living in shorts and bare feet, teaching windsurfing and sailing in Greece and Turkey. And then I realized I needed to do something in the winter. So I became a ski guide and I just had the best job in the world. You know, Had to wake up and go sailing or to go skiing. But there comes a point where your knees start to ache. Perhaps your liver is telling you it's time to um, grow up a bit. So I, I came back and I stayed in the UK travel and tourism industry. And I worked there in that industry for about 20 years. And I, I started, I remember the one morning, I was my first job was to sweep the leaves in the yard of the company that employed me in the summer. And they wanted to keep me engaged. So in the winter, I came back and my first job was to sweep the leaves up in the backyard. And as I was walking through the office, the phone rang. Nobody was answering it because they were busy. So I picked it up and sold a holiday. And somebody said, oh, you're quite good at that selling. Um, When you finish doing the yard, why don't you come in and cover some of the gaps in the contact center? And so I was on the phone selling the holidays and I was really lucky because having delivered them, I knew about them and I knew about the customers and what they wanted. And I think it's that knowledge of an understanding of who your customers are and what they want underpinned my journey into marketing so having sold some holidays on the phone i started to write descriptions and just grew into the marketing department and over the course of the next 20 years became the marketing director the commercial director the md and the ceo of many different leisure travel and tourism companies and then about um four years ago i decided that um it's time to put a bit more balance into my life and be in control of my own destiny. So I started my own consulting business. And, and that sounds like there's a very grand plan. Um, I was at a loose end one day, and I went to see a friend who I had worked with previously, and he said, come in for a coffee, we'll have a chat. And whilst we were chatting, he said, you know, my marketing team need a bit of help. Can you pop um, in and see what they're doing? And that's how my consultancy business was formed. Uh, And then most recently, I started working with the BIPC, the British Intellectual Property Council, hosted by the British Library. And that's opened up a really interesting vein of contacts for me, supporting startup businesses with their marketing and strategy consultancy. Um, And I have another couple of relationships with various different agencies that I also share my time between to try and advise their clients on. Sales and marketing. So, purely by this fluke, an accident rather than by design, that's how I got to where I am today.
0: What an amazing story, Joe. And I believe that it's every bit as relevant to construction and what we do on construction cash flow. And I'll tell you why because a lot of construction businesses, we, we go flat out, we get a project, we get a job, and we go flat out on it. And then all our resources go into that. Then we find at the end of the job, we've got nothing to do because we kept the marketing going. So it's one area, uh, and it affects the cash cash flow. So it's really great to have you on the podcast to talk to you about how marketing affects cash flow, and particularly speaking to people that are have got in um, experience in other industries to bring to the construction industry as well. What what's do you know what what works well in other industries could work well here. Yes, and I
1: think you're right, Stu, there are huge parallels there. And again, this is where I must admit to feeling slightly uh, like a fake uh, in that I've made those same mistakes of lurching from securing a project, being flat out delivering and then realising I get to the end of the project. What's my order book look like? And lurching from famine to feast and back again. And and I'll be honest, I'm advising people all the time, you're a freelancer, keep developing your sales pipeline, keep marketing, and yet I frequently make that mistake myself. So I know how hard it is because when you're fully engaged, all you're focused on is delivering to your customer, whether that's on a construction site or in an office or helping develop a website. I think it's the same dynamic. So hopefully I can add some value to your conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to hear what your your thoughts are on that, on how we could maybe in small ways keep that marketing going while we're busy, if there's any kind of techniques, tips, tricks. And going back to your story actually, something that, 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 that painted a picture for me, your you're sweeping leaves, and then you yeah. picked up the phone and sold, sold a holiday yeah uh, that's really intriguing and how, how do you do that <laughs> how does that work you know it's it sounds really simple you know and um we spend lots of money and think we could need to spend lots of money and time on selling something and it's hard to get a paying yeah. customer Yeah, you know, where does that that selling leaves to selling a holiday come Yeah, come from I,
1: I i think it's um well first of all it's understanding what you're selling And any tradesperson obviously knows their trade and know what they're talking about. So it would fill me with terror if I had to go and, you know, pretend to be a quantity surveyor on a site. I wouldn't know where to start and I'd be found out even before I was allowed on site. So it's very much about sticking to what you know and understand and having the confidence in yourself that you do know your trade. You can talk about it well. I think for marketing, and I speak as a marketeer, I think our industry doesn't help itself. We make it sound too complicated. We make it sound like it's some kind of magical formula, a mixture of science and witchcraft and creativity and insight, <laughs> when, when in fact it's not. It's really simple. I nearly swore then. sorry. It's really very simple. It's understanding who your customers are or could be, Understanding what they want and what their stresses and anxieties would be, and then matching up your skills and capacity and availability with what they need. Not trying to be something else, not trying to be someone else, and keeping it simple. You know, you don't need to invest millions of pounds in the latest digital analytics or the latest search engines. You just need to be always available and always visible. And that's where I think the secret is to discipline ourselves to allocate time to sales and marketing throughout the week and throughout the month. And in particular, to do it when you feel you don't need to. That's the really crucial bit because when your order books are full, you're really busy and you think, I don't need any sales or marketing. I don't need to communicate to the outside world. But it's much more effective to maintain a regular profile with regular outputs than stop and start Mm. and that's a principle i've learned whether you're a a one-person trader or a multinational organization you keep promoting you keep marketing even when you think in fact probably especially when you don't think you need it because even though your order book might be full as far ahead as you can plan the marketing gives you many other advantages It's not just filling my diary for the week after next. It's filling my diary for the long term. It's reminding your current customers and your past customers that you're still there and reminding them of the quality of your service. And it also allows you to brutally charge a bit more. You know, if you have this reputation for being always busy, but you keep communicating, you talk about the quality, and you demonstrate the quality of the work. When it comes to those hard-faced negotiations about your daily rate or the price for the job, if you have the perception or you create the image that you're in demand, you know what you're doing, you're not desperate, you can be much firmer in your negotiations, and that will help with so many different aspects of your cash flow. You know, when do you get paid up front? Are you on a retained basis? All of those things are made it easier if you have a good image. Now, in the marketing world, that good image is often called the brand. People will talk about the brand being, oh, my brand is a yellow hexagon with a black circle and behavior cash flow and so on. And it's not actually. Um, the brand is what is in your customer's mind when they see or think of you. And we use graphical devices to remind them of that but a good brand takes a lot of time to build and it needs to be constantly communicated now this is a really long-winded way of answering your questions too i think the, the trick about marketing and promoting your business is to do it all of the time keep a discipline for doing it and do it especially when you think you don't need to because a regular little and often communication is far more effective than a submarine approach where you disappear for six months and then you resurface and you send out a 1,000 messages, that's just going to annoy people. So frequent, disciplined, structured communication is important.
0: I think there's some really important points there because there's a perception that, I mean, for example, you're a carpenter or a bricklayer, or even a a construction adjudicator or a lawyer that's working with subcontractors, specialist contractors and contractors. Um, There's a feeling that I'll market because I'm marketing to, to get the next job. And then where there's a fear of what if I do a lot of marketing and too much work comes in, I can't handle it and I can't service those clients. But what you introduced there was something of a revelation to me is that your marketing to build your brand to increase your value and 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 i never really looked at it like that because i think there is a fear of marketing because we don't think we could you know we win suddenly win a lot of work we can't service the customers but but looking at it from that perspective is that you're constantly trying to build that that brand that perception in your client's mind so that when you do come to those final stages of in a project you're in a stronger position to negotiate definitely
1: and having a uh, pipeline, a sales pipeline a demand that's too much for you to deliver well that that really is a champagne problem because yeah of all the problems to have that's the champagne problem where where you're saying no to people or not yet to people because imagine what that does to your profile and your brand thinking wow this person's so good they're booked up for months they're worth waiting for or they're worth paying a bit more for or yes i can i can agree their payment terms because i really want to secure that time in their diary to deliver so you know if anybody's worried about having too much work to do well done. That really is a champagne problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think that that that's amazing advice, Joe. And and I think that is a. I think you've hit the nail on the head of one of the biggest fears for, uh, for for people marketing small businesses marketing. You know, they are concerned. There's a big fear they can't, particularly in the construction industry, where it's hard to get resource. It's hard to resource projects. Yes. And to look but at make... the other purposes for yeah. marketing is amazing
1: you could make a mistake you know you could spend thousands of pounds a week for work that you to secure work or or to get work that you can't deliver and that would obviously be daft because you need to balance your level of investment with the capacity that you have Uh, and this is where i get involved certainly with the larger clients looking at marketing effectiveness where we analyze the return on investment not just how many orders did you get or how many requests or how many purchases did you make but how profitable are those and can you deliver because frequently people will make the mistake of paying too much or investing too much time in marketing when they haven't got the capacity there in that case you'd have a very very different marketing strategy you'd be talking about this is my brand this is why i'm better than anyone else this is what i can do And other times, there is that short-term space. Okay, a job's just cancelled on me. I've got nothing in my diary for the next two weeks. Your message and your investment might be very different then. But that's built upon that solid foundation of building a good brand. So in marketing terms, say, we'll switch to sales promotion for that short period
0: so what would that look like uh you know the the you know for a small for a small construction business or a medium-sized construction business what would that direct sales look like is that picking up the phone doing cold calling or or or, or, what what's the you know you suddenly find yourself without work yeah
1: it it could be an element of that yeah and again that's where cold calling is by definition cold it's hard work but if you've maintained that relationship with potential customers. It's not cold calling, it's warm calling. It could be using the entire suite of digital marketing. It could be a really nice, simple email. It could be some posts on the relevant Facebook or uh, industry social network sites, which I'm sure there are many of those. Uh, Depending pretty much, I I can't give one-size-fits-all advice because your industry is so broad in its range and size. But it's finding the cost effective way to communicate with those people at the right time with the right message. So obviously having your own website, I think, is important because people want to check you out and see your accreditations and see previous customer reviews and testimonials. But then how do you expand the reach of that? There's many different ways of doing it.
0: So, what is a typical client for you, Joe? You know, what type of businesses do you generally work with?
1: Well, I'm really lucky, Stu, that I, I don't have a typical customer. And one of the things I really love is the variety of people I work with. So, in some of my consultancy business, I work with national infrastructure organizations. I've my background and probably my center of gravity is within the, the leisure travel and hospitality sector but then recently i was helping a a brighton-based construction company who had the challenges you have described i'm always busy i'm flat out but i'd like to make a bit more margin on the work i'm doing how do i do that and so we helped um them come up with a, a business plan for that and then most recently, uh, and this includes your good self—you know, meeting people, starting businesses, and listening to their inspirational ideas and stories and backgrounds. Where I can be talking to anybody from, oh, let me think—a uh, a manufacturer, a maker of beautiful handmade hats, a milliner, through to PT and fitness instructors. That variety of things is really stimulating for me. And what i've learned is that the the fundamental principles of marketing apply across all of them it doesn't matter what you produce or what you make the principles of marketing to your customers remain the same understand what you do understand who you sell to and who you want to sell to and just make sure that you're available and visible to them
0: how important is having a marketing strategy?
1: I think it is very important. Um, And a marketing strategy can only exist when you have a business plan. Because if you said, my turnover next year needs to be 25 million pounds, the marketing strategy would be very different compared to the one for a business that said, I want my turnover to be 25,000 pounds. So you need to have, and this is the, the first thing I always do before creating a marketing strategy is what's your business plan? How big do we need to be? By when? What are we going to create or sell to get there? And then we can create a marketing strategy. Um, Marketing strategy in its purest form is quite simple. Who are we going to communicate to? How are we going to communicate? What are we promoting to them? and making sure and this is the bit that's frequently missing making sure that there's time spent to look back and work out what is working what can we do more of and what could we just stop doing because it's a distraction and that opens up one of my my three product lines if you like is that marketing effectiveness where we use some very sophisticated data techniques to understand that if you were to spend £10 million pounds more on television, and £3 million pounds less on paid search on the internet, we would model your growth to be X, Y, and Z. So we can take a marketing strategy from being small and simple to large and complex, depending on the size of the organisation.
0: How important is it to have a link the marketing strategy to maybe the, the business owners, mission or vision statement?
1: Very important. Uh, And to me, the link between those is the business plan. So the, the vision and the mission statement is why do we exist? And that's a really powerful question. Why are we here? What are we going to do to achieve that aim and how do we do it? And then the marketing strategy is how do we explain that to past, current and future customers? If you don't know the why we exist what are we going to do how do we do it then it's very hard to make a marketing strategy that is anything but let's just be cheaper than everyone else and for any business in the world that's really sustainable and certainly from a cash flow point of view it can be very very dangerous
0: yeah absolutely no i i totally i totally agree with that and so what how do you How do you identify um, your your ideal client, your market? because that's one that's kind of quite it sounds simple, but it's quite perplexing. You know who am I going to work with, who's my ideal client, market research, and how would you do that if you are just a small business?
1: My experience is that if you are currently trading, the answer normally lies within because you will have some customers that you've enjoyed working for who paid you well, you made a profit, and it was a pleasure to work with. And you'll have some customers that didn't pay you, squeezed your margins, and were pains in the proverbial. If you were to, so if it was a, an existing business, I would always start by saying, okay, let's look at all of the customers, what was good and bad about them, and where did we make the money? And then I'd say, okay, so we found that particular type that was successful both for the customer and for, and for me. there any more of those out there what do they look like what are their characteristics let's just check that we we didn't get lucky and find the one off the unicorn let's check what are the characteristics of that customer how many more are there out there is it in the same industry is it in the same sector is it the same type of organization and let's come up with a plan to target those now that plan will be very very different if you are Promoting to people renovating or extending their houses, your marketing strategy would be very, very different if you were focusing on large corporate, multi million pound commercial sites. So that's why you need to do that analysis and write down and agree this is where we've been successful in the past. That's probably the best clue you're going to get to where you'll be successful in the future. And let's try and expand that. I think one of the mistakes that we all make in any industry is when we say, you know, who's your ideal customer or what do you sell? And we think, I know anybody can be my customer and I'll do anything they ask me to do. And that's probably the worst marketing strategy there is. What you need to do is focus your, your products and your services, describe them really quite precisely. Some people would say, find your niche. And focus on that, because that's where you have a chance of creating a brand. Oh, yes, I know Joe Lynch. He does marketing effectiveness. He's not a creative. He's not selling advertising. He's not selling websites. He's helping me understand how my marketing works and how it could be better. And that's the niche I try and build myself into, rather than being all things to all people. And I think that works in every industry sector.
0: Could you be, can you be too niched, do you think? Theoretically, yes,
1: you could be, because if there is no market in that niche and you're the only person in there, then probably. Um, But hey, still, I thought cash flow in the construction industry was a niche until I met you and started chatting to you and learning about your organization.
0: Yeah, it's it, it. I suppose it is a niche in a in, in a way. Um, there's so many things that affect cash flow. You know, we can look at it from so many different angles. So when I first started the podcast, I I was thinking of cash flow in one particular from one particular perspective. But what I'm finding is that the guests that come onto the podcast see other things that affect cash flow that might not normally be linked yes I didn't think that would affect my cash flow you know like for today for example we're talking about marketing how that can affect your cash flow we were talking about last week uh, how health and safety can affect your cash flow how not reading a contract and signing up to something you hadn't understood can affect your cash flow Um, not getting your uh, applications in on time can affect your cash flow So there's many things that that lead into cash flow but the 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 key thing is is when you get it wrong for whatever reason there are human consequences and i find you know it's the it's the company that's gone broke it's how do i tell how do i tell the wife and kids that the company's gone bust we can't go on holiday um you know how does that affect my mental health the family's mental health and how does that affect the community around me, the communities I belong to? yeah. So it, there's a massive knock on effect. And that's how I felt what I felt was really important to particularly in construction, where there's sometimes some deliberate attempts to slow cash flow to yes. hold back payments. And, and I, th- I think sometimes they don't. You know, I think sometimes the large organizations that hold in the purse purse strings, wherever you are in that supply chain, don't think about the consequences and they cut their noses off to spite their faces.
1: Yes. And I think that's a very old fashioned mentality of I win by beating you approach, whether that's done intentionally or not. But that's really only short termism. Uh, and from a marketing point of view, that one never works. You might get away with it once or twice, but you'll soon get found mm. out. In fact, yeah. just going back, you know, to how you, your cash flow debate is a very broad subject. From a, from a marketing perspective, I would say your your cash flow in the construction industry is your brand, and that's the hook that people think ah I know what Stu's all about and you use that hook to start the conversation and then you expand it to cover that whole breadth of subject matter and implications which is actually a very clever marketing strategy.
0: One of the other things that I've noticed as well is that from marketing perspective is that it's not always all about maybe you marketing to your client sometimes it can be if you've got a good brand maybe your client gets marketing kudos because they're employing you to work with them do you see yeah. that at all somewhere you know where oh we work with such and such or we work with you know our suppliers are these are the best in the industry or it could be our clients are the best in the industry so do you see that much uh, as a strategy
1: Definitely. Uh, and it, it applies across many, many different industries. Yeah, I would call that brand building by association. If I'm associated with this company, the customer's, go- the customer's going to think, oh, he must be good. Yeah, If he's good enough to work with that client or that supplier, he's good enough for me. So that brand building by association is is a well-known tactic or strategy and can be very, very powerful.
0: I found that as a commissioning contracts uh in construction is if there's a good a really good supplier contractor or subcontractor so they they're, they're really hot on health and safety they're organized you know they're they're supportive they're they're very efficient you know and they work on the quality they're delivering quality mm. amongst the clients they get a good reputation and yes. they get they, they do get they do get uh, approached from and I think it comes back to what you were saying about the brand so they might be so they might be good at all of those things but may not have a brand that reflects it so how would they how would they start to promote to promote those positive things that maybe they get positive feedback from their clients then transfer that into uh, their brand if you like
1: I think this is where the the classic is the case studies and the testimonials, where you can show the work that you've done with a particular contractor or um, primary uh, project lead. If they have the reputation for quality, reliability and safety, if you were then to say onto your part of your brand, delighted to be a recognized supplier of X, Y and Z and here's the reference that x y and z gave me about my work working with Stu was a pleasure he was always a b and c you've then got a really powerful piece of content to use the jargon how do you get people to see that so you put it on your website you put it in your email newsletter you put it on your social media you put it on your linkedin profile so that somebody looking for the next um partner to work with can say oh he got such a great reference from this well-trusted industry source they're not going to tarnish their reputation by recommending a cowboy operator therefore they must be good let's pick up the phone to them
0: question i wanted to explore with you as well going back to your the stats that you work on you know the financial stats and how marketing can affect the The finances of the business—it's quite often viewed as, you know, from in in the construction industry, that I'm earning money when I'm working on my on my in my business. So when we're laying bricks, we're getting our profit. From a marketing perspective, when we look at maybe sales funnels, you know, and we're thinking about how much do I need to spend on my marketing at the top of the funnel, and how much do I actually get out in profit every time I lay a brick. You know that that kind of journey. Can I calculate? You know, so I need so many leads, or so many, so many. I need to reach so many leads at the top to get so much out the bottom. Every pound I spend at the top, I'm getting two pounds out at the bottom. Then, then, then I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. I, I don't think that's something we look at very much in the construction industry. But can is it possible to get to that kind yes. of position? Yes,
1: entirely. And it's it shouldn't be that difficult. Some industries are really, really good at it. You know, for the when I work with FMCG companies who are selling widgets or bottles of pop, they know to the nearest thousandth of a penny what their marketing costs are and what their profits are. To use your bricklaying analogy, you need to think, OK, for every Pound I make laying bricks, I need to invest so many pence in securing the revenue for the next week's or the next month's work. And also to have the conversation with yourself well, actually, I'm making two pounds a brick. My marketing strategy is actually going to allow me to make two pounds fifty per brick because I've got that premium, I've got that UDOS, I've got that reputation. And therefore, If I spend an extra 10p per brick on marketing and can charge 50p more, then that's brilliant. That's free money. That's 40p per brick. We're up already. And so what I would do with clients is I would look at how many inquiries do you get? How many of those convert? What's the margin you make on every typical job? Therefore, how many inquiries do you need to generate in order to keep your diary full? Or are we going to make the jumps, actually, I'm going to grow the business and have a team of five bricklayers, therefore I need to have five times as many inquiries, therefore I need to invest more in my marketing to drive those. And so the sales funnel model is something that we we in the marketing industry are very familiar with, but it is important that you understand how much to spend in order to drive either more demand or more premiumization of your product but it it doesn't need to be difficult and the beauty of marketing today where so much of it is digital it can be measured to within an inch of its life you know you'll be able to see and control exactly how much you're spending on a website on social media on email activity or some promotion other promotional work
0: very very important cash flow and i would never really looked at marketing as a cash flow you know how important it can be to cash flow particularly in construction you know particularly when you use the term i love the term you use premiumization you know uh, how how could can we just go back to that premiumization sure. and and how how a company could could kind of look at that
1: yes um you you've probably heard the phrase one way of describing it is the culture of scarcity you know when something is limited. There's a kudos of securing it, whether it's, I don't know what the the youngsters look at today, designer trainers that are a a limited edition. They go crazy for those. Um, If the conversation about you in the construction industry is about when are you next available, rather than how cheap can you do this, you are suddenly in a much stronger position with a much better cash flow. So if you can talk about delighted to have these jobs booked up i've got some availability in two months time but at this rate that'd be gone by a week on wednesday call me now to secure it you are having the conversation about availability not about price and you're driving that conversation and you're saying if you don't like my terms i'm not worried i can find someone else that will do because i've got that brand that reputation and it might be you know And sure as well, within any construction project, you get some element of that from the materials and the quality of your finish as well. Do you you want to position yourself as, forgive my ignorance here, laying premium good bricks rather than cheap bricks that are going to fall apart within a few years?
0: They're so relevant, so relevant to the podcast and so relevant to cash flow and construction, particularly when you talked about uh, these are my terms. You know, you can discuss and negotiate on the basis of your terms. One of the things uh, people like Yosef Ewing talk about is that if you're a a specialist subcontractor or specialist contractor, have your own terms and conditions and don't just accept the terms and conditions being imposed on you by the main contractor. Yes. And so that can then become part of your marketing strategy.
1: Definitely. You want the main contractor to be thinking, I really want to secure their services. I hope I can get them rather than saying i don't care who comes along i just want the cheapest job possible and so those people who have invested in their image their brand their marketing will be in that position where uh, there is this culture of scarcity if i don't get them booked in i'm going to have a shoddy job delivered it won't be as good my reputation will be tarnished therefore this is the contractor i want I I'm ha- imagine i'm happy to pay a deposit to secure their time to make sure that their diary is protected.
0: That's a big thing for your cash flow. So how can how can listeners get in touch with you, Joe? How can they find out more information along the marketing journey?
1: The easiest thing to do really is to come to my website, which is joelynch.uk, joelync dot uk. Um, and from there you'll find links to my social media. You can subscribe to my newsletter most of all you'll find my phone number give me a call and let's meet for a coffee and see if i can help
0: you improve your marketing effectiveness amazing thanks so much for that joe so have you got time for the uh quick fire round yes yeah, so this is the bit i'm
1: terrified of i'm happy talking about marketing talking about me less so.
0: ah uh, okay i'll be gentle and you can pass on any question you like Okay, It's absolutely fine. So the first question, Joe, how do you start your day?
1: The version I'd like to give you is that I have an organic smoothie, run 10 miles, uh, come back to half an hour in the gym and then meditate for 30 minutes. What actually happens is I get up, have two strong coffees and read the newspaper for half an hour. And I'm sure I'm not the only person in the world that does that.
0: When are you most productive?
1: um there isn't a particular time of day i used to be really productive in the evenings now it's more likely in the morning what i've learned is that sometimes it's not working don't force it go and get some fresh air come back to your screen 10 minutes later and it might be entirely different when it's not happening don't get stressed Go out to get away from your screen or whatever you're doing, and come back and try again later, rather than getting wound up that it's just not, you know, what's the phrase? People in the flow. You're not in the flow. It's not happening. Take a break.
0: Is there something new happening in your life right now?
1: Uh, Yes, um and the professional side of things, it's it's the work I'm doing, supporting the startups and developing a startup coach model where I'm working with entrepreneurs who have a vision for a business and I'm trying to create a product in the service that is affordable and adds value to that particular type of customer so that's really interesting a new innovation for me sitting alongside my buying more conventional consultancy gigs.
0: is this something you'd like to do that might surprise your friends and family?
1: I think my friends and family know that I'd love to sail around the world. What would probably surprise them, uh, I really annoy my family that I quite like classical music and having teenage children, obviously they hate that. I would love to be able to stand on the stage
0: and sing. Name a challenge you overcame that changed your life.
1: I set up my consultancy business six months before the pandemic hit and I was congratulating myself on being really busy having what I thought was a diverse range of customers and then suddenly the world stopped turning and the business was essentially zero revenue. Well I got really busy helping people close down and then really busy helping people reopen. Having to deal with that and not take that as being a a sign of personal failure And having to reinvent and diversify my business was a big thing to get over what i've seen with a lot of the clients i work with is that the pandemic has actually made us do things that we should have done anyway it just made it urgent and scary and and getting over that challenge was a big thing i still don't think we're entirely over it but that was a big shock to the system
0: who or what inspires and motivates you
1: i'm getting a lot of inspiration at the moment from the people i'm meeting with ideas for businesses and seeing their ambition and their resilience you know if i i say to people oh yes you know my business was interrupted by the pandemic and then i hear stories of people who have had far greater personal impact and continue to keep smiling continue to keep going to quote Churchill keep buggering on. Some of those stories, uh, you might know who I'm talking about, they are truly inspirational and make you realize that's the right thing to do. Keep going, keep going.
0: What does success mean to you?
1: Success to me means being proud of the work that you're doing and knowing that you're making a difference. And I think if you have both of those, everything else falls into place you know you get paid you've got the cash flow you're not worried about other things but it stems from the fact that you know you're proud of what you're doing and you're making a difference and that to me is the most important thing
0: are you a spender or a saver
1: well now Stu, i'm a yorkshireman and i i do follow the stereotype perfectly i've got t-shirts in my drawer that are older than my children and they're still perfectly fine so i'm very much a saver unfortunately i'm the only one in my family
0: that way around what advice would you give to your younger self
1: i think it would be uh back yourself believe in yourself and have confidence that people will see you for what you are and what you can do and not be don't fall into the trap of trying to overprove yourself presenteeism you know it's okay to leave the office before six in the evening because you've done a good day's work rather than missing out on events and family time because you need to prove or you feel you need to prove that you're dedicated to the cause i think trust in yourself and your abilities um and that will get you through
0: if you couldn't do what you're doing now and you could do anything you wanted what would you do
1: i would be racing around the world on a super
0: high powered yacht thank you joe lynch so much <laughs> for coming on to the podcast and i'm sure the listeners have got so much out of that you've joined the dots between construction marketing and cash flow thank you so much
1: thank you Stu. it's been a pleasure
0: You've been listening to Construction Cashflow. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already done so, so you never miss an episode. And remember, the faster cash flows, the faster wealth grows.